Hey guys, it's Fidel here and we have good news to tell you that we are now on Patreon. If you want to support us and keep this movement going, please go to patreon.com slash black in the maritimes and support us with whatever you can. Uh, if you don't want to make a donation on Patreon, you can definitely go to our website, blackinthemaritimes.com under donate and you can donate via PayPal as well. Uh, we really appreciate your help and we appreciate what we've been doing for the last few years and we want to keep it going. So go to Patreon at Black in the Maritimes or you can go to blackinthemaritimes.com and click on donate and you can definitely help us out. Let's start the show. What's up and welcome to another episode of Black in the Maritimes. I'm Fidel. And I'm Clinton. And Alon and Hillary are off today. Hillary just took her second uh, shot of uh, her COVID vaccine. So shout out to her. Uh, please get vaccinated. Let's get the hell out of this thing. Please I don't get know. It. I, the vaccination makes me kind of concerned still. I'm not quite certain about it. We'll talk yeah. about we'll talk about that in a bit, Neil. But okay. for those of you that are not Neil... Please do. Uh, <laughs> let, let, let's get the, vaccinated, but we are not talking about this. <laughs> exactly. Let's let's get it over with, please, people. So uh, I got said, my shot. I got my shot yesterday. I, I was pretty hesitant and worried, and I'm not going to say I wanted to, but uh, I did. I mean, if you ever ate anything of street food in any third world country, <laughs> you should be all right. So oh, geez, please funny. get vaccinated. But uh, we have very special guests today. Uh, we have Mr. Neil Clemens. Matthew Martin and Timothy, Timothy, uh, uh, Dr. Timothy, <laughs> sorry about that. I do, I did a vote. So, uh, you guys have a show called New Brunswick, uh, Black and New Brunswick Action. Uh, you also feature in the color bar, but you are also very prolific people. Neil and Tim were in the show previously. Uh, Tim is a doctor, uh, and Neil is a lawyer, and Matthew is the founder and of Black Lives Matter St. John, now Black Lives Matters of New Brunswick. Uh, gentlemen, it's nice to have you here. Thanks for having us. Thank, yeah, you. thank you. Thank you very much, guys. Uh, so, so I'm going to start with Matthew because uh, Neil and Tim have been before. Uh, so Matthew, tell us about you a little bit because uh, you this is the first time you come to this show. Yeah, well, thank thank you for, for having us on, having myself on. Um, I love the podcast, been following it for a little bit, for a little while now with you gentlemen. So you folks do phenomenal work. Um, but my name is Matthew Martin. I am the president and CEO for Black Lives Matter New Brunswick. Um, we're located at our head office here uh, in St. John, New Brunswick. Uh, other than that, I'm just a pretty down, down the earth guy. Um, you know, if we look back a year, um, not usually someone who would be considered an activist or um, any type of, of political person um but you know with with the murder of george floyd um and some of my own of my own internal struggles that i faced during during that time i i kind of stepped up for the need of, of our black community um here in st john and, and across the province and um one thing led to the next and i i met these two wonderful gentlemen timothy and uh neil and um we've almost been uh inseparable since Oh wow, that is pretty good. I mean, uh, it, it's it's pretty nice to be in in such great company. So that is definitely something. And and you know, I will uh, go back to a little bit for our previous podcast that we have over. I think it was over a year or two years ago. 
you guys have been born and raised in New Brunswick. Uh, Clinton has been born and raised in Toronto, uh, has been living in New Brunswick. I've basically been living in Canada for around 11 years. Uh, how do you guys feel back now when you actually see all the, the work that you guys been doing, whether it is the show that you got, uh, whether it is all the activism, how have you guys seen uh, things progress in New Brunswick since the time that you've been, you know, very focused on all of these projects? I don't think I've seen a lot of change. I see a lot of activity that will lead to change. Uh, Matthew's involved in some great work. Timothy's got a fairly substantial opportunity possibly coming his way. Um, color bar, which is, you know, would have never been a thing had George Floyd not been murdered, right? NBWA, which is our show, New Brunswickers One Action, that never would have happened if George Floyd hadn't been murdered. So I don't see a lot of change. I see a lot of activity, which I hope will lead to change. But I think Matthew's on the cusp of creating real change in our province with his project. And I mean, if there's no data to have observable change, then I don't believe there is any. But I think Matthew is, you know, closer to change than anybody in this province right now. Tim? Yeah, I, you know, I think um, people are aware there's been a, a really heightened consciousness. I think um, if we look at our Caucasian brothers and sisters, I think some of them, uh, these issues might have been invisible to them for a long time. But I think right now they're saying this is not acceptable. Um, I listen, uh, you know, we look at some of the things that are ha happening with Indigenous people. And once again, Caucasian people are saying, this is this is just not acceptable. We might not have been aware of how racist and atrocious our history is. But I think now people are going to demand change. Uh, once again, I don't think a lot of people for whom racism is invisible to them and they don't experience it. They might not know the severity of what we're talking about, but I do think compared to when I grew up in Moncton in 1970, there's a world of difference right now in terms of just people being aware of these issues and sincerely and genuinely wanting to work on them, even though they might not necessarily know what to do in a practical way. What about you, Matthew? Uh, I, I think I'd have to echo both Neil and Tim. I think, you know, if, if we even go back to two years ago, um, you know, Black Lives Matter was a huge thing in the States and in and, and Toronto as well. Um, and with the murder of George Floyd and with a mixture of COVID and people stuck home and kind of stuck and not able to escape, um, we've seen a lot of, our, like Tim said, a lot of our, our white brothers and sisters get, get, the, get it in their mind and start seeing these issues um, and really starting to think critically uh, of what there's what they say what what they're seeing within you know their their daily lives at work um and, and i think if we look back on the year have things changed not overly um but there there is a lot of of work being done um to start that change and, and that groundwork is somewhat being um built currently here now um but again it's it's just the beginning step so if, if we can say has anything really been accomplished yet no but that that beginning framework <laughs> is, is starting to be established i guess awareness is an accomplishment if you want to see it that way you know tim was quite you know focused on the, the awareness that white people if i can say that have now about 
racism. So I guess that's positive, but it's just awareness, right? Hey, I, I didn't know racism existed. How could you not have? But I digress. I suppose that is movement and I'll take it. Clinton, you want to charm in on this? Um, I still don't know if we've seen any real systemic progress and change. I, I see a lot of gestures and motions. I see a lot more black faces in marketing. Uh, I don't have the stats to know if I'm seeing more opportunities being given out for, for scholarships or more people are being hired in corporate workplaces or to be scientists or if there if people or if, or if more kids are inspired to to pursue those kinds of things. Uh, I've definitely seen huge change in the political landscape here in New Brunswick. Um, in the past year, something even we were just chatting about before the episode started. Um, we were all surprised that someone actually won. We were just saying that the act of running is some form of a change because we didn't even think anyone would win this round, but we thought it was super important that people running now are laying the groundwork for people to win in the future. And boom, <clears throat> during this election, someone actually won. I don't know if that would have happened if George Floyd would have been murdered. It's hard to say. The gentleman... Um, Kasim Dumbia Kasim, yeah. clearly deserves to be in that spot. The question is, would he have run and would he have won? Um, I don't know if I'm seeing a huge change also in politicians' willingness to actually do something about systemic racism. Um, again, there was a lot of lip service a year ago. And among, you know, I've seen a lot of lack of support already in the general support for issues of racism and equality. Just like you always say, Fidel, like it's always the flavor of the day. The news media is going to move on to the next story tomorrow. Um, this story lasted significantly long. Um, I'm feeling people are, are moving on from it, and it's really important to keep that torch burning. I mean, I will personally say this. I've been doing this podcast for four, almost five years, and it started for a reality that I see in my whole life, uh, especially when I've been here in Canada. Uh, I don't think like... I think the biggest change, and I think that people were aware of was, and I will say this because of the history that I hear, was Donald Trump. I mean, we've been voicing this stuff uh, for the past five years. We've been saying how people, how black people get killed for sneakers, for driving, for doing anything regular, black people get killed for no reason. And people weren't really aware of that. I mean, and we and Marcus, shout out to Marcus Worth, wherever he is, we were talking about kids getting killed for Jordans. Uh, back on four years ago, kids uh, like people getting gang violence and things happening in Halifax, how Halifax people were getting stopped in police for no goddamn reason. And nobody seemed to actually get aware. I think there's more awareness. When Donald Trump won, it was, you know, things be just became chaotic. Like I never seen that much chaos in, 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 in four years. And then Black people started getting killed left and right. And the main president, one of the most powerful persons in the world, was like, meh, it is what it is. And I think people were aware of, of that. Uh, but I do I do agree with all of you. I think uh, in particular to New Brunswick, uh, s changes are slow here. Uh, they're very, very slow here. Uh, I'm surprised that we have a black mayor, uh, the first black mayor in history, uh, and Neil, we're going to go on that. You actually participated in this election as a, uh, you wanted to be uh, in counseling. Uh, and how was that experience? How was the, how was the people uh, treating you and, think, and things like that? Well, I, I, I was treated very well overall. The, the election was, you know, individuals treated me very well. There was very little hate that I got spewed at me, but I thought it was just a big high school election. You know, there wasn't a, uh, a push for competency it was a push for who do i know and that kind of is not effective 
in politics if you're just voting for people who you know. We, we see how that works out here in New Brunswick, right? Not so well. And I found it to be challenging in that regard because I'm competent and I didn't want to be a popular vote. I wanted to be a vote that was made sense. It was logical, rational, intelligent. That wasn't what people voted for by and large in this election. And I, I guess by being there, things changed. And as uh, Balarama Holness said when we interviewed him, I wasn't seeking votes and I wasn't seeking a position. I wanted change. And I have to look at what we did as change. When he ran for mayor of Montreal the first time, he didn't win. But that was change, right? So, guys, I don't think I don't see it as real change that four black people ran for council in St. John. I see that as what's supposed to happen anyway, right? So I don't see that as change. I see that as our right, you know. And um, Donald Trump, in the chaos that he created, he also created a bunch of warriors, right? Some social justice warriors that came out of nowhere, like the four candidates that were in this election. Had Donald Trump not created chaos, or should I say allowed racists to be racist, then those four people, including myself, may not have been there fighting. That's what it was. It wasn't like, okay, let's, I'm brave now, let's go run. We have, we have to fight, right? And uh, Donald Trump created a situation across the continent where blacks were in the mood to fight now. And I'm in the mood to progressively change our community. And if that seems like fighting, so be it. But uh, I think that Donald Trump was a catalyst for the change that will come because he allowed he allowed people who would normally hide their beliefs and thoughts to come out. And once your enemies are exposed, it's a lot easier to fight them. Or should I say challenge them, if I can say that. Yeah, the election was interesting, to say the least. I don't know that I'd do it again. Tim, you are one of the people that I've always said that you want to burn the system down. You want to change the whole thing. You want to burn the goddamn thing. Uh, with this election, and I, and I and this is a pretty short what Neil said that you know he didn't see the change. Uh, he might not be willing again, but for black people, right in St. John, which is which is kind of which is again, you guys are from there. Uh, for me, this was astounding that so many people ran from color of color. Uh, but in your perspective, do you think this is part of that change? Do you think this is part for you to, to get a brand new system? Or do you think this is just part of the consequences of all the things that we've been seeing in the past four or five years? Yeah. So um, I think it's great that people are running for office and people are getting this opportunity and they have the confidence to do this. And once again, uh, years ago, it just wouldn't be feasible. They wouldn't let you do that type of thing. Um But there's different approaches, right? So say we have a black prime minister. If it's a black prime minister who doesn't want to burn the system to the ground, but just get promoted, do their own thing, be have a comfortable life, and try to be a good prime minister, it's not going to help. So the color of our individual politicians, I think, is secondary. The fact that we have laws that are intentionally developed to discriminate against people, although they look fair on the surface, the institutions we have that systemically but unintentionally discriminate against people. Um, I read a study recently where they looked at surgical outcomes for Indigenous people, and they controlled for everything. They controlled for severity of disease, age, gender, uh, everything. And if you were Indigenous, you were 30% more likely to die than if you weren't. No black or indigenous politician is going to be able to fix those things. Our system is poisoned. And without fundamentally restructuring the system, 
put whatever figureheads you want at the top, it's not going to really matter. So I, I, I do see some real fundamental problems with our systems as they are. And, and um, so I, once again, I think it's great that people are running and that they're trying to do things and they're trying to get in the system and change it from within. But um, this is not a problem that's going to be solved by doing more of the same or following rules that were set up to, to kill us. Oh, wow. Uh, Matt, you are part of this change. You're part of the cause. You said you, you weren't, you, you didn't realize you were an activist to a year old or, or so ago when George Floyd died. Now you have this organization that you're trying to move people, trying to make some change. Uh, you're part of this change uh, because this wasn't a thing uh, maybe two, three years ago. So what do you feel in your role as somebody that's just starting in this, in this movement? Um, I think that's a good question. So really uh, my role is, is just really what it, it's my role is just to be myself. Um, I I've lived a, a black experience. Um, I, I have faced, um, you know, systemic discrimination through many different, different aspects of my life. Um, so now as an activist, I can, I can draw on those, those life experiences, um, and, and be able to relate, you know, we, we see a lot of those issues within our own community and now it's time to, to really say, okay, here are the stories. Um, and here's now, for example, we're, we're undergoing a, a research study into what systemic discrimination looks like in New Brunswick is that way there, we can establish benchmarks to, to be able to say, here's stories of systemic discrimination. And here's the benchmarks to show that here, the facts are in the numbers. It happens. Um, so, you know, um, my role isn't really, I, I wouldn't say it's a role. I, I'm just doing what I feel is right, not only for myself, um, but but for my family, um, you know, for, for my children one day, for my, my great-grandchildren, um, to, to, to continue to sit idly by and, you know, let these things happen when, when an opportunity arose. Uh, for myself to to put myself out there and try to make changes, um, I, I had to take them because I was, you know, as I mentioned, I, I faced some internal struggles. Um, and one of those was I can either, you know, continue to sit by idly um, and, and let this affect my life, um, or I can step up and begin to to try to make a change to, you know, Re unfortunately you have to with politicians you, you have to reason with them um and then smack them in the back of the head a little bit if, if necessary but um you know you have to have these conversations and you have to try to do what you know unfortunately this is an issue that i shouldn't have to solve or shouldn't have to try to fix it's not my responsibility i didn't cause the problem um but if if i have to go out there and, and, you know, get my hands dirty a little bit to kind of show the proof, then, you know, that that's what I'm willing to do. Um, and, and that's what I feel is, is my role is to, you know, go out there and, and kind of start leading people and, and start giving people insight um, and, and, and providing opportunities for people to see that, you know, the stories you may hear about someone getting fired from their job for being black or for hearing, you know, a, a, a high level um, member of a, of a business using the N-word freely at work isn't just made up stories or elaborated stories for attention. These are real things that happen. So if, if I can, you know, 
provide those opportunities to bring those to the light and then have you know, statistical data that shows, yeah, that happens based off of health outcomes, graduation rates of, of, of Black students, you know, in, incarceration rates of, of Black individuals, then absolutely. Well, that's that's pretty thoughtful. Now, Clinton, you, and I'm going to put this with, uh, with what Tim said, which kind of hit on me. Uh, you lived in Toronto for so long, and uh, Prior to that, you were in music a lot, but now that you, you've been part of this podcast, you've been uh, more focused on social issues and things like that. And uh, sometimes you you have this perspective of seeing things in Ontario. Now, what Tim said, Tim said that our system is kind of poisoned. Uh, and I agree. I think the system was not made for the Black man or the Indigenous man. It, it just wasn't made that way. It was made for the common white person uh, to live on, but never was made to that. Uh when you were in Toronto and now you're here and, and now you've been more involved in, in more social perspective, have you seen how that system uh, has been to you towards in Ontario and in New Brunswick? I think it's the same system no matter where you go. Um, I think in certain societies and communities, the acts of people in those communities may may or may not have done more work to dismantle systems or, or push things aside. I think in a city like Toronto, just because of the sheer mass number of people, um, there may have been more people fighting for social issues and able to make slightly more leaps and bounds. And because there's just such high populations of people from different cultures, there is sort of a need to melt together all into one pot and get along and tolerate each other. Um, I think I was not very aware of the system I grew up in, to be honest with you, until until people really point out to you the things that are wrong and not working with it. Um, it's kind of like your smartphone. You know, you get a smartphone from the phone store. It's working. It does everything it's supposed to. It, people don't generally become aware of it. Um, and then if you have people in marginalized communities where they maybe got a phone from the phone store too, but it doesn't work and they cry out about it, um, everyone with a working phone they don't get it. They don't see it. They can't acknowledge it. Um, you know, I grew up like a lot of people where if you do experience racism, you have to ignore it or brush it off or laugh about it. Or if, if you if you comment on it, you're just pulling the race card and made and shamed about calling it racism. Now, nowadays, they call it race baiting. I don't know if any of you have noticed race card has become race baiting. Um, New Brunswick is clearly a million times more openly racist. I'd never experienced racism anywhere in my life to the degree I experienced racism in New Brunswick within like days of being here. But um, behind the scenes, systemic racism, I think it's all, I think it's all one big system that was designed hundreds of years ago and on levels like where it really, really matters. I, I was younger in Toronto where it really, really matters. I think it's the same everywhere. And I, I think I, uh, in some points, yeah, I mean, I think in, in bigger cities, it's hard to pinpoint because sometimes in, in, in big cities, you're in your own bubble. Uh, so if you're in that bubble, you some people I remember when I uh, in New York, you got Brooklyn, you have the five boroughs. Some people have never left Brooklyn or some people have never left Mississauga or never left Brantham or certain places. So you don't really know what's going on in other places. So that 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 also might be a factor. Uh, Can I just now, make a comment on that whole systemic racism piece? Go ahead, I grew yeah. up in I grew up in um, one of the first black settlements in, in New Brunswick. It was it's a historic settlement, excuse me, and I didn't even know I was in one for any part of my life until I got in my 20s and wasn't living there anymore. I was living in the historic black settlement, and I didn't even know it. It wasn't written. It wasn't talked about. That's, well, for the most part, we learn what they teach us, right? Yeah, Sorry. that's right. 
Go ahead. But there wasn't even any passed down knowledge, right? There was only a few families left and they didn't even pass it down. It's just odd to have been living in that environment and not even know it. But it's systemic, as we said. Yeah, I agree. I think it's uh, I think it's part of it. I, I think a lot of things, again, uh, when you go, I think one person told me. And again, if you look in if you look into our past episodes, we we've seen uh, cover racism at work, like what Matthew said or somebody saying the N word, thinking nothing happened. And it's like, what the hell? Uh, and I, I heard those cases time and time again. Uh, but I, I also hear people that one time somebody told me that they went to Africa and he was like, nobody thought I was black. Nobody even even imagined, nobody said anything because <laughs> everybody was like, that was a normal thing. And then when she came back home, it was like, oh my God, like people like knowledge that I'm black are here. Uh, and and I think that's one of the things I think the, I think I agree with what Neil said that, I mean, it wasn't maybe passed down because I think the history here was trying to be erased. They never talk about it. There's not in school. People are, there's books now that we didn't know that existed. And I think a lot of the things here in, in the Maritimes, except for Nova Scotia, that they've been really, they, they have not let that go. And I, and, I, and I do, you know, my heart goes out to the people in Nova Scotia, to those fighters that have never let their history go, and they're not planning to do that. But I feel like in New Brunswick, that has been a thing to try and to erase that, you know, <laughs> that Black history yeah. that we have and that Native American, uh, you know, Indigenous history. That's been trying to be erased for so long. Uh, now I will ask this before the podcast, you guys were, the idea of a show was planning when we interviewed Neil and Tim, and that has become a reality since then, uh, which is New Brunswick wants action. Tell us guys about that project and, and you know what it is. I, I seen the show. I really like it. Uh, what is it that you guys want to transmit and what, what was the concept? Want me to go first? You yeah, go sure. first, Tim. Yeah, Neil, why don't you turn your camera on, man? <laughs> yeah, brother, you're so good looking. Turn that on. No, yeah. I don't have a stand for it, and it's just a mask because it's falling all over the place. It's good. By the way, Tim, where did you get that art? I oh, wait, know. I know. That's amazing. There, my camera's on, Tim. Sorry. Ah, there you go. It, it, there's a gorgeous lady that we're seeing, if you see it on. on a, we're not going to edit any of this out, so shout out to the gorgeous <laughs> lady that we just saw. Uh now, Tim, uh, I love your the art in the background. I mean, that's amazing. I, I love it. So these are all uh, all pieces that I got uh, when I was visiting I family in Ghana. Oh wow, that's amazing! The video, videos being yeah. So they're uh, all authentic uh, pieces that like I you got a boy. brought home and got framed and stuff like that. That that is amazing. Okay, oh, so tell okay. tell us about the show, uh, Tim, and, and how it came about. Yeah, so New Brunswickers Want Action is the name of the show, NBWA, obviously uh, a play on NWA. And we um, called it New Brunswickers Want Action specific for specific reasons, because we wanted to contribute to the discussion on systemic racism, but to give um, maybe not solutions, but concrete things that we could do that would be baby steps. And if we can add in enough concrete actions, then at some point over enough time, we will have changed something. So we started off saying there are specific things that we need that we're calling for. So we said, first and foremost, racial discrimination needs to be a crime under the Criminal Code of Canada. A very clear action item that people can do. So now people are in a position to say, yes, we'll do it, or no, we're not doing it. But it's a very specific action item. The second was uh, Black History in the 
uh, education curriculum. Once again, we wanted a comprehensive re revision to the education curriculum that meaningfully includes all of the atrocities for Black history, for Indigenous history, uh, the internment of Asians and Japanese in, in World War II in, in prison camps right here in Canada. So a uh, real, not a revision of history, but an, an explanation of history that explains how bad some of the things were. And then the third thing we, ca we called for is we want a public inquiry into systemic racism in New Brunswick. And we were basing that on some of the, on the shooting deaths of Chantal Moore and uh, Rodney Levi. So those were the three main things that we wanted. Uh, but I think I'm missing one or two, Matthew. Holy. Yeah, or Neil. Neil might so, know those better. Those are the three ones. Those were our three main, well, yeah. What would I know better, Matthew? The outcomes? What? The outcomes, right? Yeah, the outcomes for NBWA, man. Yeah, that was the three. It was education, criminalization of racism, and... Public inquiry. Public inquiry, yeah. It's the whole yeah. of government public inquiry that we called for for eight months in every episode that finally happened. It's amazing. And I mean, the show, I, I find it really interesting because you guys have lived and breathed the maritime system. You guys been here your whole life. Uh, you educated here your whole life. You, you lived and breathed that system. What part of it, of this show makes you say like, okay, we are these people that are supposed to say this because, you know, again, everybody should say it, but you guys are the three other three people that are saying it. How did it came about for being you three? And uh, what was the, you know, why was it made on, on it's made on a local television channel, uh, which a lot of people don't know, which is Charlotte County. And it's also on YouTube and, and different social media platforms. You guys want to see it. So what was the concept saying? Like, we want to put it on TV and let's do three people and things like that. I think I'm going to handle that one since I was the person that initially got started, I suppose. Um, after the Black Lives Matter rally in St. John, which got a lot of press, um, I got invited to go to St. Andrews and do an interview on CHCO. Now, it was supposed to be myself and Matthew and um, the chief of the Passamaquoddy Native Band in, in, in Maine and sort of crosses over to St. Stephen also. But none of them could make it. So it was just me. And I said, let's bring Tim in. And Tim and I did the first show, and it was so good. The producer, Vicki Hogarth, said, you know what? You guys have a show. You need to do a show. And we obviously agreed, yes, we need to do a show. And I'll just say about eight months before the show started, I had written in my dream book, if you believe in that sort of thing, I'm going to have a television show, and my message is going to go across the continent. And eight months later, I'm on two of them. So I guess belief is and faith is useful. Um, but then we had Matthew come in on the third show, and it's just been gangbusters ever since. 30 minutes of systemic racism um, several times a week. It never happened. It's history-making in New Brunswick that we have a medium and a message and a platform to share it. It's amazing. And they did it. They're doing it all for free on public TV, right? They believe in us. They believe in our message. And I think it's uh, amazing that they invited us to use their studio and talk about systemic discrimination. I don't know who else is going to do that. I mean, they beat CBC to it. Just wait. We'll, we're going to do that. Just wait. <laughs> and, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm very proud to be working with BBC, by the way. <laughs> Don't worry. Well, I, 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 also, I also feel like, that, like I mean, I think it's it's great that, you know, more people are doing it. I think that's one of the, the great things that you guys are doing. I think uh, I, I feel like this is a war uh, and 
when you see a war on things, there's just not the army, there's the Air Force, there's the Navy, there's the logistics. And I think every different person should be, you know, in different battlegrounds, just attacking the same thing until somebody says, okay, I give up. Okay, we're, we're, we're okay. You guys won. You know, like, like that's, I think that's one very important. And that's why I feel like that project that you guys have is amazing uh, just because, and I think we need more of it. That's one of the things I think, uh, I think we need more of that. I think we need more people speaking out from this different perspectives and, and trying to bring a message across uh, that, you know, that, Hey, this is real. This is affecting us. This has been affecting us every day. Every day we, we live it. And, uh, indigenous people live it and Asian people live it and, and, you know, Middle Eastern people live it. I mean, that's something that we have to wake up every day. And, you know, sometimes we don't pay attention because it happens every day, but sometimes it affects us because we want, you know, we, we have dreams and goals as everybody else. And just because the color of your skin is an issue, you know, it's kind of like, wait a minute, uh, this is not right. So I think, I think that's part of it. And, and I'm, I'm really happy you guys came with that concept and, and it's been coming to fruition. I, I love it. I think it's great. Uh, and I also saw the color bar, which we, exactly we're talking about CBC. You guys were on CBC on the color bar, which can somebody, you know, explain what was the process on that? Yeah, I, I think I'll, I'll grab this one. So I think, you know, that kind of originated originally with um, some internal um, kind of reflection that CBC did. Um, and I think you folks might have been a part of it as well, too, is they started reaching out and noticing that um, the lack of of black representation on, on their radio channels, on their television, their social media um, for here in New Brunswick, they started noticing um, the, the, the non-existence of it. Um, so from there, they, they began to hold um, kind of some community outreach sessions um, with different folks and myself and Neil um, sat on one of those. Um, and we just kind of said, you know, um, community television is doing something. Why can't you folks? Um, and from there, they, they just reached out to us and said, hey, you know what? If community television can do it, we can too. Let's, let's look at the same, you know, kind of concept. Let's, let's, let's deliver, you know, more of a, an education uh, portion to it. So for, so the Brezelkers want action. Um, we give, you know, those, those first small baby steps um, of what can we can do to to change the system? Uh, where for color bar we focus more on you know the educational side of how things came to be. For example, um, we look at um, you know the statistics around why um, racial discrimination could be a, uh, should be a criminal offense based off of um, you know how our human rights system clearly fails. Um, individuals who who look to the human rights commission um for justice so um we we begin to focus more of on of an educational aspect where mbwa focuses more on on tangible actions so is color bar is it just a one-off is it a weekly show what exactly is the plan for that well, well um go ahead go for it neil go for it well go ahead tim yeah so we did three uh episodes with them that were just pilot and now we're in the process of doing another three. And then after that, we'll see how it goes. So with, with CBC, um, this is a different level than community TV. So to get a permanent spot is a much higher bar 
than you would have in a community television station. Uh, but they're they're giving us contract after contract, so we're on our second one uh, in the process of filming another three episodes. Yeah, we have been very lucky to work with the CBC as well, and and I it's kind of like the same thing. Uh, they give us contracts, and we have worked with them over and over again. More panelists for CBC Radio, and and you are right, it's a higher bar. Uh, it's not really something that is mandated in New Brunswick. You kind of have to go to some levels of uh, of autocracy to see if something gets picked up or not. Uh, which is one of the good things that also you know thank God that we have these opportunities and more people are, are showing up, but also that, you know, there's independent mediums like podcasts or, or public television or, or public radio or things like that, that we, we can have a voice in our community. Uh, Clinton, you've seen the show, you've seen your brother uh, in action. What do you think about it? I think it's amazing. I think that it's, it's just groundbreaking for one. It, it's, it's real and it's raw and it's honest. Um, like some of you, the rest of you were saying, it's about real experiences and from having real experiences here in New Brunswick. And it was just so refreshing to see. Um, it doesn't matter that it's independent television. It's television. It's so refreshing to see a black show in New Brunswick for the first time. Yeah, um, that is absolutely. And that, those I guess in the beginning here, when I talked about change, I was mentioning things that have changed and that what haven't changed. Like that's definitely that's change. That's amazing that young kids growing up here in New Brunswick can see that and see that. Oh wow! If I have the right mindset and the right drive and goal, um, maybe I can get into media. Maybe I can have a television show. Maybe I can do more than I thought I could do last year. Um, and I want to just it's a really um, great show, guys. State that Tim's doing all the writing for that show. Oh yeah. Um, with some touch-ups by CBC, but really not much of anything. So that's really, you know, we're not being led by some majority individual, Mm -hmm. although the company is majority white, obviously, but they're letting Tim do the writing, and the writing is is organic, and it's original, and it's real. It's reality, right? It's so easy to learn his lines because it's real. (laughs) That's important. Nothing fake there, no acting per se. It's just... These are the facts, and how can you even argue with us about these true facts? Yeah, that those are yeah. facts. That, and again, it's only facts for us because we lived it. Uh, I, I think that's 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 one of the things that I want to stress. Like we lived this experiences, and we're trying to communicate it. And recently, I mean, some people there's still, of course, racism. I mean, that's that's a given. <laughs> but some people that weren't even aware, they're like, "Oh, this is real. This is not making stuff up." Uh, but I mean, also, I think it's important because with the with the rise of alt-right media, fake news, conspiracy theories, like everybody has a platform, right? It, it, it's kind of like you can just go in the Internet and just create a platform for yourself. And if you say the most outlandish, you know, most sensationalist thing, you might get some attention. Uh, but it doesn't necessarily mean that's that's reality. Right. It, it doesn't necessarily mean that that's even real. And people will just go ahead because. People want a story to tell. You know, people have a story and they and they want to be part of that story. Uh, you guys, uh, it is very real. And with us, is it is very real. This is not something that we we want to make it up. This is something that we live through every day. And and when it comes to systemic racism, when it comes to New Brunswick, there is none, no rule. Like people can say whatever the heck they want, and they won't be penalized for it. Uh, and that's one of the things that we see. What's happening to uh, Dr. Angola? He is actually suing. Uh, the city, uh, the mm-hmm. province, sorry, because of that, because, you know, they were blatantly racist and Blaine Hicks says, oh, let's be more racist and call him out again, <laughs> which uh, for me was 
uh, insane that he did something like that. Uh, but yeah, nobody, nobody got, you know, penalized. Nobody, no, nothing happened. His name got uh, dragged in the ground. And, you know, a lot of super spreaders came and went, but nobody got called out except him. Uh, but he, he actually had to leave the province because of the racist vitriol he was experiencing. Yeah. And we have a doctor shortage and crisis here in New Brunswick on top of that, which yeah. just adds insult to injury. And let's also not forget when the mayor, I believe, of, of Miramichi was asked about it. She literally shrugged it off. Um, and said, you know, this is just how people act. Uh, mayor of Campbellton, Campbell, the Campbellton, sorry, the mayor of Campbellton literally shrugged it off and said, well, this is just how people act when they're scared. Um, as if, you know, fears is, can, can be, uh, you know, something to define a, a, or give a good cause to be racist and, and threaten someone's life. Um, you know, literally just like, that's what happens. She she's not wrong. That is how people just have been acting. And everyone's yeah. been having so, to so, shut up and swallow, bite their tongue. So I was going to say, just one of the things that I like to emphasize or we like to emphasize in our work is that there's different forms, right? So there's this blatant intentional racism that you see. And, you know, those are things that it's, it's really not socially acceptable. If you can put, call it out, you can get some traction on it. But there are other things that are invisible. And this is where the systemic stuff comes in. So if you look at the Canadian prison population, Black people make up 3.5% of the Canadian population, but 9% of the Canadian prison population. So they're overrepresented by almost 300%. Indigenous people are overrepresented in the criminal justice system by over 500%. This is just a fact. You can look at Stats Canada, you can run those numbers, so no matter what media you're listening to, you're looking at, that's a, a fact. So now we, if we ask this hard question, why are black people overrepresented or why are indigenous people overrepresented by such a magnitude? And why are white people underrepresented? Those are the conversations where systemic racism comes in, because the fact is the police stop black people and indigenous people differently than they stop white people. They arrest them differently. They press charges on them differently. The court proceedings are different for black people and white people. And the sentencing is different. And that's why we end up with this outcome. So if we start off at the outcomes and work backwards, we can kind of do that analysis of the system and say every step of the way, no one's calling anyone nigger, but they're throwing them in jail or arresting them or denying them bail. Or if you look at police shootings, black people and indigenous people are the only ones overrepresented in police shootings. Uh, the Caucasian people make up 73% of the Canadian population. They make up 41% of those shot by police in the past 100 killings. Indigenous people and Black people make up over 60% combined. And we make up only 8% of the population. So once again, when the police are interacting with us, they are much more willing to shoot and kill us than they are a white person. All things considered equal. So I guess my point is, there's two things. There's that stuff at the street level in our daily lives where we're just trying to get by and we're banging up against this. But then there are these systems that are designed to get these outcomes that they get. Yeah. And I, I just want to state that uh, the majority of the population, they don't even know they're in a system. You know, they don't know. And I don't blame them because it's designed for them, not us. But they don't even know they're in a system. When we first started doing Color Bar, my inbox was full of, I didn't know it was not illegal. Are you kidding me? 
because they've never had to experience racism. Of course, they're not going to understand that it's not already illegal. And, and of course, they're going to assume that it is because they're not being affected by it daily. So it must be illegal, right? Just my thoughts. No, you, you guys are very right. I mean, it, it, it's something, it, it's like fighting an invisible man. You don't see him. You don't, you don't see racism. You don't see the system. You you don't know what you're fighting. And again, if you're white, you definitely don't know. You, it doesn't happen to you. So well, it works to your advantage. It's the opposite. You get yeah. preference, preferential treatment. Yeah. Well, that's what I meant. Sorry, ahead, that's what ahead. I meant with that phone analogy, or your, or a computer, or a phone. If your phone is working for you, you are not aware that there is a system operating your phone. You're just looking at the screen and you're doing stuff and you're going about pay, playing Candy Crush. It's not until you have to realize that this that this it's not until the system is not working for you as promised in the contract that it means to be Canadian that you start to be aware of all the mechanical workings behind that screen. Um, that's the system. It's operating in the background. And for people who it works for, they don't see it. It works. They just use the system. For people who it, it doesn't work for, we have to yell it out and yell it out and try and get people to see past the screen to, to realize the programming is all wrong. Yeah, that's basically that, that's basically it. I think I think people are not aware that that is exactly it. It's a system. It's like a computer, like Windows, like a smartphone. Uh, if it works for you, perfect. But whoever doesn't work, hey, that, that might be a problem. Uh, so, gentlemen, I mean, I'm always glad to have you here, but I also want to know what's next for you guys. What are you trying to do? with the TV shows, uh, with uh, all the organization that you guys are having in St. John. Uh, I know that the Black Lives Matter New Brunswick is having a survey. Uh, what is next for you? What What do you guys are trying to do? And, and what do you guys will try to accomplish in the next few years or few months? I would suggest, and again, I'm piggybacking my colleagues, in the next few years, racial discrimination will be illegal. In the next few months, Matthew will have created benchmarks that will mean something to the province when it comes to studying systemic discrimination, because there are no benchmarks. We don't keep data about black people, etc. right? Um, and for me, I suppose, I'm just gonna keep doing what I'm doing. And I've got a lot of stuff going on in my case files that are relative, is relative to social justice and social development and the treatment of our community, government departments. I'm just gonna keep doing that. And, you know, <laughs> some folks in social development already know my name and they don't like to hear it. And that's because I'm doing good work for good people who deserve help. It's that simple. Tim? Yeah, well, I'm not satisfied with how things are now. So I'm working on uh, a couple of things. So I'm writing a book on systemic racism in Canada. And I'm trying to use it as kind of a logical, systematic way of saying, here are the changes we need. And once again, as an action-oriented book for, with things that we need to do. Um, but you know what? I am not going to give up on the idea of making racial discrimination a crime in Canada. So in St. John uh, last week, we had a black guy who was sitting at the front of the courtroom. He wasn't charged with anything. He was there as an observer <clears throat> because a family member of his got stabbed, and he was there to watch the proceedings. The judge looked at this big black guy in the front row and at recess said to the deputies, do not let him back in. He's trying to intimidate people. Maybe that's true. Maybe it isn't. We didn't make this up. A Telegraph Journal reporter called us and told us about this. And they've written two articles that are published in the Telegraph Journal. So what I'm giving are the facts of that analysis or of that reporter. Now, they said things like, you know, if you weren't trying to intimidate the person, what are you sitting in the front for? And the guy kind of said, 
because I'm hard, hard of hearing. It's harder for me to hear from the back than the front and, and that type of thing. But all things being said, say it is true that the judge acted on a racial stereotype. So I'm not, the judge has the authority to manage the courtroom however he wanted to and blah, blah, blah. But say it is true that he uh, acted on a racial stereotype of this gentleman. What can the guy do about it? And this is what drives me friggin' crazy. What can he do? He ha- the, so the Department of Justice and Public Safety said, prove to us that it was racially motivated. Can this guy arrest a judge and interview him and interrogate him? Can this guy subpoena records? Can this guy interrogate or interview the, the marshals or the sheriffs who actually acted on the judge's order? He's got no ability to compel testimony. He's got no ability to subpoena evidence. He's got no ability to say to someone, you have to testify under oath. So how can he possibly prove it? You can't. And even if you could prove it, what, can you, what are you going to get out of it? What can you do? This is how absolutely insane racism is in New Brunswick. We have a human rights legislation that all the people think is just wonderful, but that's because none of them have friggin' used it. But my question is, if it is true that this guy was kicked out of court simply for being black, no other reason, what can he do about it? And this is the change that has to happen in New Brunswick, is he needs some real alternative. He needs to be able to call the police, have the police pick someone up, interrogate them, decide whether they want to press charges on them, have the state decide whether they need to press charges. I sent out a a letter to Neil and Matthew recently in my building here where I live. My storage locker got broken into. I got a formal letter from the Department of Public Safety that said, we're so sorry that you were the victim of a crime. Here are all the resources available to you and we'll provide support and you might even be able to uh, recover money and damages after we charge the person. This is what they said. You don't get that if you're the victim of racial discrimination. So the thing that I am not going to give up on is no matter what, they have to make this change. And that's really the the issue that I'm going to be working on on for a little while. Matthew? Um, In the next couple of months, um, we we will um, have have finished up our province-wide study on systemic discrimination within New Brunswick. Um, so with that, we'll have a full report of, you know, what that looks like um, through benchmarks here um, in New Brunswick, as well as from um, perception based off from our Black community members and, and folks who um, work in those specific sectors that we're focusing on. Um, and with that, so, some recommendations for each of those sectors. Um, so our health, our social development, education and justice sector. Um, and, and from there, it, it's just going to be continuing to, you know, address systemic discrimination and begin to create tangible and, and concrete um, material for organizations, for, for, for businesses, for, for upper management to use who, who actually want to make a change um and and for those organizations that don't want to make a change and and continue to you know be homogenous and let systemic discrimination you know root itself in their organization we'll we'll take a page from tim and burn it down and we'll 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 figure out a way to to you know strategically um bring forth you know a more equitable um 
experience for for our our black community for for our indigenous communities uh, for our syrian communities um you know we have so many different racialized community groups within new brunswick um and while the well the the racism we face um may be different um the common goal the a common goal that we all share is, is to abolish racism and it is to abolish systemic discrimination within organizations in our way of life and and, and within new brunswick um so as an organization we will continue to do whatever that takes to to empower our black communities to to lift up our black community members um to to promote um you know their 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 wins uh, promote their businesses um and just really do really be 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 an uplifting voice for for folks within our black community now uh gentlemen i would talk to you for hours uh these are really really deep i think we could talk for literally hours about this because i think we we have a very very common goal uh and i i feel like again our platform is always open to you guys if you guys ever want to talk about anything uh, I feel like uh, you guys are doing a very prolific job uh, out there and, and you're raising the bar. Uh, definitely, I feel that. I feel that uh, all of us feel like we all need to raise our bar and, and you guys are doing that pretty well. So uh, let's just do a shameless plug. So let us know where people can find you. <laughs> Any place on CDC for Color Bar, uh, quite frankly, they've got us posted on all of their social media and it's even on the evening news and the late news. And NBWA, just go to CHCO TV, or we have an email. It's NBWA at CHCO.TV. Is that it, guys? <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> at CHCO.TV. Sorry. Amazing. And, uh, go ahead, Neil. Uh, well, you can also find us all on Facebook. I've got a social media presence. And yeah, we're not hard to find. We're not hiding, that's for sure. And if anybody wants to find out about us, they just have to type in one of our names recently on Google, and you'll find us. I think what we're doing is righteous, and I'm not saying that to be righteous, but nobody's doing this in New Brunswick, and it's about time we raised our voice. Well, it's not that nobody's doing it. Everyone, Lots of people are working hard on issues, uh, but like I said, one of the things that we're trying to distinguish is giving concrete things that government can do tomorrow right. to make things better for the rest of us. And giving those outcomes a voice. I'm, I'm sorry, Tim, but when I, I guess there are other groups doing this, but I'm only hearing us and Black in the Maritimes, you know, I'm not hearing people voice this challenge. And I'm so proud that it's us that they that are able to do it. Well, and that's one of the points that we have this podcast for. I think uh, there's a lot of voices out there, not just us. Yeah. There's a lot of voices. There's a lot of people mm-hmm. fighting this uh, tooth and nail. They're just not hurt loud enough. So I think I think it comes down to it's just we were all in the right place at the right time and our voices are being amplified. So we need to use our platforms to amplify those voices who weren't happen to be in the right place. Matthew at the right Martin, time. You put us in the right place at the right time. Um, posthumously, George Floyd did as well. But Matthew, had it not been for you, this would never have been as it were. Now, I will disagree on that because I, I I don't think I ever been in the right place in the right time. I think I'm just one of the guys that if I see a wall, I'll just break it or get in and say, hey, what's up? I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> I am not backing down. And, and if you don't if you don't like it, I mean, it is what it is. I'm just going to go for it. Um, Fidel, Fidel knocks first. And then if no one answers, he just bursts through the wall. He's the cool. Like, hey, like, like <laughs> you're not going to ignore me. I'm sorry. I'm not going to let that happen. So uh, I think that's one of the things I think uh, I think. 
it's just the fact of again everybody in this podcast everybody in in this platform i think that's the thing like we we're kind of tired and we're not going to be ignored. That's just, just, it's just not going to happen. So I think that's one of the things. So uh, tired of being ignored. Yes. So that, that is exactly. It. So uh, guys, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Clinton, do you have anything else you want to add? Nope. Just uh, to all the audio listeners out there, if you do want to find them on social media, it's uh, Clemens Neal, Matthew Martin, and Dr. Timothy Christie. Uh, gentlemen, thank you so much for being on the show. It's always amazing to hear your updates and to just hear updates from what the different organizations and groups are, are doing all across the province and across the country. And, and we feel so lucky to be able to, to receive all this information every week and bring it all into one central source. Uh, so thanks for being on the show. All right, guys. Thank you. Thank you for having us. My pleasure, most definitely. So before we go, guys, uh, don't forget to uh, donate on Patreon on our website, blackinthemaritimes.com. It really helps us. Uh, Go to our social media, Black in the Maritimes, Instagram, TikTok, uh, Facebook, Twitter, at Black in the Maritimes. And again, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. So thank you guys for showing up and listening. Peace. Peace. All right.